Here we are, once again, just for you, and only you, bringing you this episode 31 of our podcast. It's your flowery double act. That's me, Lucy Nolan, and the floral designer, decorator, and florist extraordinaire, that is Paulie Hawkins. Hi there, Paulie. How are you today? Hello, lovely Lucy Lou. I'm very, very well, thank you, on this slightly sort of drab, dreary old rainy day, but uh, over the other side of Sussex, sending you flowery love across the airways. How are you, darling? Yes, very well today. Um, In fact, celebrating my 23rd wedding anniversary today. Stop it. I know. I know I only look like a child now. So I was just going to say, you must have been a child bride, you know. I absolutely was. Thank you. Oh, yes. And 23, obviously, I looked up 23 and thought, ooh, ooh. And um, obviously, the answer was? Cardboard? Nothing. Nothing. No. Yes, nothing. You've got to reach 25 again before you go. I mean, there's always the kind of 9, 10, 11, 12. That's all. Come on, we're going to encourage you. We're going to encourage you. And then when you get to 23. Yeah. Aluminium. (laughs) And when you get to 23, what do you get? A big, fat nothing. So, um Got a great card, though, from the lovely hubby, so that's good. So he gets um, many brownie points for that. And uh, nearly nearly didn't get it, as my gorgeous daughter was in charge of presenting card because Andy is away. And so mm-hmm. she overslept. I got her up. Ready break was on the table. A little, um, <laughs> little bit of demerara sugar sprinkled on the top. She ran down in a complete flurry of plaits and plaid school uniform skirt. Bless her. And um, rushed out the door to get on the school bus. And then I got a panicky call at about uh, 10.30, which I think must be break It's in the time. kitchen drawer or something. And she went, Mummy, upstairs underneath my pillow, there's something from Daddy for you. And I went, oh. oh. So that was just redeemed just in time. You wee, because there could have been tears there. But congratulations, darling, and a very Thank merry... You. Merry, no, happy anniversary. And I do remember the day you walked down the aisle those 23 years ago with some rather lovely flowers, I hasten to add, listeners. Um, mm, but happy days, darling. And Thank still, you, darling. And still blooming in the bloom of marital bliss. Thank you, sweetheart. Well, I think it's all the time we spend apart while he's away working. I think that helps. Um, so <laughs> moving on to your week, Paulie, you've had a very busy week, haven't you? Lots going on. Oh, yes. Here, there and everywhere. And, you know, I've been actually in the garden. I've got these three really big old piggery outbuildings and they're full of urns and plinths and floral. I think the word is sundries. Um, so I've been having a, I know it's a lovely word, sundries and miscellaneous. A sundry sort out. A sundry sort out in the rain, and it's I've really had enough of it aching back. But it has to be done because you want a good old you want a ship shape ship, you know, of sundries to tuck into when well big, done. When events come along and you know, we want to select a nice vase. But um so yes, that one just um, quite virtuous. That one did trip off the tongue rather well without any um any mishaps there, the uh ship shape ship. Well done. Steady. <laughs> But anyway, moving on, moving on. So you've been um, busy, busy and feeling romantic. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I'm very, very much looking forward to uh, sharing my knowledge and stories on our chosen subject this week, Lucy. And it's a real divider. Some love and some simply won't entertain the thought of these. But now that they are becoming so much more on trend, we are here to uncover all things faux. Yes, and they surely do have the most fascinating backstory. Materials used in the manufacture of artificial flowers have included painted linen and shavings of stained horn in ancient Egypt, gold and silver in ancient Rome, rice paper in China, 
silkworm cocoons in Italy, coloured feathers in South America, and wax and tinted shells. Modern techniques involve carved or formed soap, nylon netting stretched over wire frames. That sounds a bit grim. Um, ground clay and mass-produced injection plastic mouldings. Polyester has been the main material for manufacturing artificial flowers since the 1970s. Most artificial flowers in the markets today are made of polyester fabric. Flowers and plants have been copied for centuries. The Egyptians made imitation flowers from these thin pieces of animal horn and stained them in different colours. These pieces of horn were then attached to each other and formed into small flowers and used to make wreaths. Goodness me, so the wreath goes back just thousands of years. Intricate. Hmm. In some cases, these flowers were always in some cases, these flowers were also decorated with gold, silver, or copper to give it an even more luxurious appearance. Hmm. Lovely. The Egyptians were not the only ones who liked to imitate flora of all kinds. The Romans also copied flowers and plants. They did this with wax, which they could easily transform into the existing flowers and plants popular at the time. The Romans excelled in the art of imitating flowers in wax, and this branch of the art attained a degree of perfection which has not been approached in modern times. The Roman general, Crassus, renowned for his wealth, gave to the victors in the games that he celebrated at Rome crowns made of artificial leaves delicately fashioned from gold and silver. Oh, that sounds rather lovely. Lovely. In the 20th century, the wonderful designer group, Colfax and Fowler, through Constance Spry, the renowned florist and floral decorator, developed and promoted, promoted an exquisite, though expensive, method of manufacturing wax-coated faux flowers, which was based upon the Victorian invention of the paraffin-coated wax flowers. One of the very few predominantly female occupations to appeal consistently in urban and suburban census books throughout the Victorian period is that of artificial flower maker or artificial florist. Artificial flowers were to be seen everywhere in Victorian Britain. It was not unusual for the hansom cabs, and those are the, um, the beautiful horse-drawn carriages that they mm. used to have as taxis, um, they often had a bunch of these artificial flowers in the windows, and women's clothing was regularly decorated with them. Bonnets were adorned with, I love that word, bonnet. I love, bonnet. I think you should be wearing a bonnet today, actually, Lee. I'm just thinking that. Yes. Um, <laughs> dear me. I Sorry. I make myself a bonnet, and we could adorn it with some flowers, because that's what they used to do. Cocktails with a bonnet on. Hmm. So the cocktails, no, no, not the cocktails. The bonnets were adorned. Sorry, now you've got my brain. It's just gone onto cocktails. Stop it. Sorry. Sorry. Friday right. madness, listeners. Sorry. Come along, come along. Bonnets were adorned with masses of blooms and leaves, as were dresses and coats, giving a splash of colour to the otherwise plain garment. Even the working classes had their bonnets trimmed with artificial flowers, which, as they were as little as a penny of the a penny a bunch, were affordable to many of those who were in higher ranks of the working classes. So the artificial flower was making big business in Victorian times, and thousands of women were employed, both in factories and in their homes, making little blooms for a few shillings a day. That's, oh, and there's also actually a wonderful example of a beautiful old Victorian bonnet that has these gorgeous little artificial flowers handmade by these wonderful Victorian women, in the Victorian Albert Museum. So if you are ever over there visiting the V&A, 
pop in, look up the bonnet with the artificial flowers. Cool. I mean, they really do have a rich and interesting background. Um, I mean, from way, way back. I, I love the intricate sort of gold leafed sort of Egyptian adornments. It just sounds so exotic yes. and glamorous. But um, these days, they really are refined and exquisite product and no longer referred to so much as artificial. Instead, they are definitely faux. Um, and they definitely have a place in my floral decorating world. I'm, I've created big faux decorations for many a client. But um, I think you should stick to a few rules at home and you really can't go wrong. Obviously, it helps to know what the real version of the flower looks like in great detail. So when selecting, think to yourself, does this actually look real? I mean, it's actually, as ever, all about the foliages because are the greens too kind of nuclear green? Um, I mean, I always think the duller greens look a little bit more realistic than those kind of really yes. acidy kind of crazy ones. Um, another tip would be go for pricier faux brands. Um, as you always say, Lou, throw, when in doubt, throw some money at it. <laughs> always, always. Ooh. It's better to have two. Two nice expensive things than 10 cheap and nasty. Couldn't agree more. Hmm. And when you're using faux flowers in a domestic setting, I think you're better with a vase of, as this is what you're iterating now, only a few stems. Um, okay. And looking the real deal, delicate, just a few stems, rather than a vase crammed with masses of cheap ones, which instantly give the game away and defeat the whole object of the exercise, which is kind of uh, fooling your friends. And, um, you know, those colours are far too bright and brash, all rather startling and, quite frankly, terrifying. <laughs> so um, always think seasonally, Lou. Wouldn't you always think seasonally? Mm, I think so, because I suppose your mind literally just gives you that's not right. If it's, a, if it's a bright pink in kind of the spring season when it's whites and yellows, if you see vibrant... Mm bubblegum pink you would instant yeah, yeah, you, yeah you'd instantly think oh god that that must be fake whereas if you as you say tune into the seasons and go accordingly mm. with the colors and the landscapes you're far more likely to provide something that actually gives pleasure rather than horror i would say horror but it is it is a deception isn't it but you mm. you've got to think seasonally with faux flowers and as with fresh flowers stick to kind of what's growing at that time of the year to to add a another scoop of authenticity so, yes, a big vase of cheery yellow faux daffodils looks lovely, but uh, not in September, listeners. No. No. <laughs> I recommend having four boxes. I'm getting quite bossy here. Four boxes of faux flowers and store them in your garage slash attic, you know, and, um, and, and then change them as the seasons go. You'll notice them and, and enjoy them more and simply remove any dust with a blast from your trusty hairdryer. So it's all about seasonality always. Oh, so what you're saying is one box for spring, one for summer, one for autumn, one for winter. That's genius, Paulie. Yeah, absolutely. Love and, it. And then you'll, you know, you'll, you'll notice them more and, you know, fresh and faux. This is my next thing. If you're feeling crafty and inventive, mix your faux and your fresh together. And, you know, I, I, it's not that I haven't invented the wheel, but, you know, lots of fresh foliage instantly reduces the fake look of, flower, of, of faux flowers. And weirdly... The water in the vase tricks the mind into thinking that everything in your vase, your fresh faux vase, is nothing but a cheery, fresh cornucopia you picked from the garden. And it's just the best fun. And it's the most acceptable form of... It's Sorry. It's the most acceptable form of deception, I find. But mm. um, I also mix faux flowers with dried flowers, which 
can give a wonderful effect of sort of um, a slight, slight, slight bit of Miss Havisham, but more of a sort of late herbaceous border when things are starting to sort of go to sleep and go a bit crispy. So that's quite nice. Mm. But um, mm. another golden rule with faux is too close for comfort. This would be my tip to position your vase of flowers as far away as you can. In other words, ah. yeah, like a windowsill at the end of your reception room or, yeah. or a small bowl on a distant shelf. Um, yeah. And this will add to their realness. You don't want to get too close because their phone no. is it's more likely to be spotted, darling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. true. That's a very good tip. Mm. And you'll never trust me again. Um, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> that came a bit readily. Um, <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I remember doing a great big party at the Tate Gallery and, oh, God, so unrelaxing because because uh, of all the art, no water is permitted in the gallery. Absolutely none, which isn't so good when you're doing a high summer party um, and the blooms need to drink. Um, and, you know, clients still don't understand why, that you know, the flowers are floppy at their due. Uh, it's because they weren't allowed any water. So I managed to talk my client into having huge decorations, fake ones, faux ones, at this party at the Tate. And uh, they completely hit the spot, luckily, because I chose really well. Um, they were made off site and they were wheeled in. And this sort of thing at a gallery like that, or often at the V&A, you're given half an hour to install the party. Uh, it's normally when the last stragglers have left the gift shop. So you've got outside, mm. you've got production you've got everyone waiting to go in in one tiny lift and and, an um, and and little doris in the gift shop with her wheelie case on getting the last yeah, little detail uh, oh, and her just get of one of those postcards yes and that car sticker yeah, get and out doris and, and you've got kind of you know a, a million pound party about to be launched into this into this venue golly golly um yeah it's your heart in mouth and you're like in you need about 20 staff in you go but short get-ins at events are other stuff are nightmares but um but thanks to our flowery artificial, artificial friends, it all went very smoothly. Um, but I will pop up a few of my past faux decorations on our lovely, fabulous flowers mm. TV Instagram. Yes. And you can all have a little look at them. Um, and also, we'd love to see yours, listeners. If you've done some lovely faux things, we'd love you to pop them up, wouldn't we, Lucy? Absolutely. I'd be very keen to see anybody that's had a go with faux. I would really... <laughs> relish some inspiration from this end i have to say yeah yeah and um actually you'll know that one one of my other strings to my bow is i um and i'm an ambassador for peony faux flowers and i'm lucky enough to appear occasionally on qvc and it's run by the wonderful founder and inventor of this little boutique business well, it's not little and it's the lovely julie bates and i'm delighted to say that she's done a little contribution today for us and uh to share her pearls of flowery wisdom. So take it away, Julie. Hello, my name is Julie Bates, and I'm the founder of a wonderful business called Peony, where we do the most incredible faux flowers. We're actually endorsed by the Royal Horticultural Society. This means that our flowers are absolutely botanically correct, and we're the only faux flower company worldwide to have this. So we're very proud to be doing this amazing, fabulous Flowers TV podcast for you today. And I'd love to thank the wonderful Paulie and Lucy for asking me to do this. What is it that everybody's going wild about? Everybody is going wild about 
faux flowers at the moment. And I think it's because our flowers particularly look so realistic and it's copying all the foliage as well and all the different flowers that we love and getting all that amazing look, natural look, an amazing big display in your home of faux that is not going to wilt, it's not going to die, um, but it's going to look amazing. And you can then put maybe some fresh in there as well, because I think mixing fresh and faux is so, so clever. When I'm having a dinner party, actually, I will buy maybe a couple of stems of some lilies, some Casablanca lilies, because I love the fragrance as well. And then I will put maybe four stems of our Casablanca lilies, usually in that gorgeous white, bridal white, in with the fresh. And then immediately, you know, ours are real touch. So you touch the fresh lily, you touch the, the faux lily, and it literally is exactly the same. Ours even have the buds as though they're literally going to burst into full bloom. So that's probably what I would do um, for my friends, because I just love the fragrance as well. Um, not only do we actually do the most amazing um, flowers, but we actually do the fragrance, especially the gorgeous fresh rose fragrance. And I love roses. Oh, when roses are out in the garden, oh my goodness, they look beautiful. We have a, a wonderful neighbour and friend, the David Austin, the famous David Austin breeder. So we have a lot of his roses in the garden and we love to copy all the different breeds to, um, you know, the lovely dog rose, to a, a stunning old English rose, lots and lots of different varieties of roses. But I'd say the peony, the peony in May. Peonies, when they're out in the garden, are my absolute favourite. And I copy those so beautifully, all the different colours, because they come in lots of colours. Gorgeous whites, wonderful sort of dark magenta pinks, which is really rich in colour. I think they're incredible. And then just the beautiful pale pinks as well, with the buds and the foliage, absolutely every single detail. Um, I think when I'm doing faux flowers, that I pretty well do most faux flowers, but the ones which are really intricate and very difficult. So when you actually go and buy one and you think, oh my goodness, that's expensive. Anything that has tiny wee little buds, because everything is done by hand and painted by hand, every single bud, it takes so, so long. So if you imagine, um, if you were to have um, some astilbe, every little bud of that astilbe would take a long time or wax flowers, they take a long time. Um, but they're worth it because I love a challenge. I love making and creating and fooling so many people. Um, with the season of gorgeous Christmas approaching, which is one of my favourite times of the year, um, I love to decorate with stunning garlands that we do with all the berries and the wonderful foliage. I mean, literally, it looks so fresh and so real and a beautiful big wreath on the door. Um, I love lots of candles. I love putting a, um, some gorgeous garlands around the fireplace. I really like to dress at Christmas and um, I love to feel, you know, that wintry, beautiful, crisp um, feel of, of all the gorgeous pieces that we do, especially the Nordic range, which I absolutely love. I think what um, people love about faux is they're not going to wilt, they're not going to die, you're not going to be left with lots of dirty water. 
We'll never ever not love our fresh, but it's great to have a bit of both. So thank you to Paulie and Lucy. I have loved doing this podcast um, and have a wonderful Christmas. Fascinating. Thank you, Judy, for the, your flowery pearls of wisdom there. And obviously you can't beat the real thing, but uh, for ease of use and the satisfaction of fooling your friends and general high performance, they are really hard to beat, the old faux flowers. Yes, they. I imagine they probably are. Um, well, absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. That was a great contribution. And thank you, Paulie, actually, for your stories and tips. And well done, Julie, for a little feather in your cap there. Um, I might try a few myself. I'll see how I get on. So I better I better get on to Julie and send her a bit of a list. Yeah. Hmm. So moving on then, Paulie, we are heading towards the end of November and we're about to enter the next sign of the Zodiac. And as we do like to share on Fabulous Flowers TV, the flowers of the birth of the star signs. So if you are Sagittarius, therefore born between the 23rd of November and the 21st of December, you might need to know this. The flower you'll be needing to get your hands on is the carnation or pinks. The centaur, which is half man, half horse, is the symbol for the Sagittarius zodiac sign. And he represents a combination of powerful intellect teamed with physical strength and energy. And as a flower known for its inherently long-lasting nature, carnations really do personify the Sagittarian's strength and endurance. And that's my husband, actually, half man, half horse. I don't know if you want to know about that. Thank you, Lucy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Stop it. Right. Oh, God, I think I've blushed. Sorry. Friday madness business. Moving on. What's... What's rather brilliant is that carnations are pretty much available all year round in florists, supermarkets and garden centres. So that would make a wonderful present or a super arrangement for a birthday tea or a supper at home. Or even you could give one in a pot to plant next spring in the garden. That's all lovely, Lucy. And I'm still recovering from um, your all your (laughs) loveliness. Anyway, but I love the idea of giving a carnation or a pink in a pot as a present for someone to plant. I think it's just wonderful. (laughs) But um, floriography, I mean, was that? (laughs) Floriography was the art of coded communication in the Victorian era, using flowers to send messages of love, lust and contemplation. This Sagittarius birth flower, the carnation, was able to send an incredible array of messages, depending on the colour. So red was admiration, white for sweetness and innocence. So was Lucy. Thanks. Keep tagging us at Fabulous Flowers TV and send us your lovely floral decorations and creations. And we adore seeing how creative you all are. We're feeling very, very festive. Love it. I think that's us done. So on that note, until next time for our next Fabulous Flowers TV podcast, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye. And a big goodbye from me. Bye. <laughs>